I'm Jill Shaw, and I'm here with Ross Wilson to bring you an update on what happened last night during the Boston Public Schools School Committee meeting. Last night's meeting had no presentations and only one vote, and yet it lasted nine hours. Why? Because the topic of the vote was Boston's exam school's entrance exam, and whether or not this year the exam should be used as criteria for invitation to the exam schools. Morning, Ross. Why, why was this meeting so long? Well, good morning, Jill. It, it was very much a long night for us uh, with the meeting ending around 2 a.m. But the, the meeting was so long, Jill, because the Boston School Committee introduced a proposal to change uh, the exam school entrance for next year. And that was two weeks ago. It was actually less than two weeks ago. And the committee provided no public process for anybody to have input into this proposal. So about 185 people turned out last night to express their opinion because they had no other place to express it. And there was no other forum to provide input. So we had over six hours of public comment, Jill, right before the vote last night. Right, and in what I guess no is no longer an historic event given that it happened at last week's meeting as well, Mayor Marty Walsh zoomed in and spoke again at last night's meeting, asking school committee members to please vote yes to this proposal. Under these conditions, it does not make sense to bring thousands of sixth graders citywide into buildings to administer a test. It does not meet the public health guidelines. In addition, different students, different families, and different communities have been hit harder by this pandemic, especially our communities of color. Um, it would not be fair or just to ask a child to, com to compete on an exam whose life has been turned upside down due to parents losing their home losing their jobs or close family members losing their life. The only fair way really to, to approach this challenge is to focus on academic performance prior to the pandemic. The superintendent's exam school admissions working group has done an admirable job and a thorough job in researching this issue. They have developed a proposal that, that balances these very challenges, challenging concerns while still focusing on proving academic ability. I thank them for their work throughout this. It has not been an easy process. I wanna express my support for this one year plan. This year was meant to be the first year of a new more equitable exam. Also the results of hard and thoughtful work by the superintendent and her team. Instead, the exam will be given next year to sixth graders in Boston public schools and all schools that, that apply for it. We're in agreement that this does not make educational sense to launch a new exam in the middle of a pandemic. It does not meet our public health guidelines to administer a citywide exam in the middle of a pandemic. And for these reasons, I asked the committee to adopt the superintendent's and working group's proposal. So Jill, the, the mayor here clearly said this is a one-year plan and that very clearly the exam will be given next year. So you're saying the MAP exam will be given next year and that the pandemic is the reason for this change. And he doesn't see any other way um, to provide a test or admissions uh, process this year. And so we asked the members to please vote for this plan. But this is not how many other members who testified saw this, saw this vote. You know, City Councilor Mejia summed it up what many others said last night. Let's play her quote. This change in terms of what is fair and access can't just be about COVID. It has to be a long-term opportunity to ensure that none of our kids get left behind. So the mayor is saying that this is a one-time exception 
Many others were saying that this is the beginning of something bigger and more important. This is certainly momentous in the fact that they've got the whole city out ignited around this topic. But the question is, where, where are we going now? And what is going to happen in terms of leadership at the district level and, and at the city level that takes us to a place where everyone wants to be? Right, Jill. So this is going to take real leadership, trust, transparency to take this opening of equity and turn it into significant change and, and really pay attention to the over 50,000 kids in our district right. who, who we need to support um, and improve their educational outcomes. I, I think that's such a good point too, because this, this decision impacted, I mean, dozens and dozens of kids but certainly not hundreds and hundreds or thousands and thousands of kids. Right, Jill. And so, you know, Michael Contempasas, who's been a, a longtime leader in the Boston schools uh, for a long time as a headmaster of Boston Latin School, uh, also served as superintendent of the Boston Public Schools, and he's been in the district for about 60 years. He's a massive ad advocate for equity in education, and his comments were incredibly powerful. So let's, let's play his comments to school committee last night. It is the unwillingness to show the will to make the difficult decisions that will indeed ensure that where you end up going to school in this district doesn't make a difference. And until we address that issue, we won't be solving what others have eloquently called the opportunity gap. And so I would strongly urge the school committee to adopt the recommendations bringing, uh, uh, brought forth by the superintendent this evening, including the recommendations that have far too long been talked about but not implemented. And that is for students in BPS that may not have access to the additional uh, tutoring that Dr. Kendi talked about, that the district is responsible for ensuring that that same opportunity is available to every student in the district. And that one of the recommendations that the committee strongly uh, uh, approved was that the, op the, that the tutorials from grade four to six be implemented by the district and by the city. But to me, that's not enough. You need to fix what are the inequities throughout this district. And that takes will and it takes vision and it takes risk. And if indeed we're going to show that we all want a district which provides every student an opportunity to, to, to follow their dreams, whatever they may be, we've got to fix this district. And that, I hope, goes beyond just the exam schools. So Michael Contempasis asks the school committee to really look at this from a macro view, which, you know, anytime that you and I have talked to him, he really talks about that. He talks about the 54,000 kids in our system and about how inequities start in kindergarten, right? They start at the beginning and then that, that the exam schools are really 
a symptom of a, of a much deeper problem. And he's really imploring school committee here to start to look at how to fix this much bigger problem. Now, public comment then followed and it gave us a view into the breadth and depth of this issue. There were 179 people providing public testimony for and against this recommendation. And ultimately the committee voted yes and approved the recommendation in full. Hardin Coleman though expressed concern that the school committee was not taking into consideration the depth and breadth of this decision. And he shared these thoughts with the committee. But we're gonna create these three that are special and get more resources, get more money, get the best kids, get everything, and then turn around and look at what's happening in the rest of our schools. We're not distributing resources appropriately. So uh, without going in, and there's more detail in this conversation, I'm delighted to have it, but I can, I can vote <clears throat> comfortably for a recommendation that says we're gonna have a task force that is gonna look at uh, creating um, schools of opportunities across the district. That's gonna take on our secondary education process in a substantive way as, as superintendents already initiating conversation about high school redesign. And if we include, as, as Dr. Revere said, experts in this process and really think about what should our secondary school system look like, act like, be like going forward in a way that's going to really allow us to have gap closing school. And that's our opportunity. And to limit that to just a focus on the examination, the, the process of admissions, the three of our high schools, which only take in 20% of our, our students, when 30% are failing, which means there's another 50% who's floundering where? Doing what? What are we doing for them? And we need to take that as a coherent and complete conversation and not just limit it to these three, what become these curated specialized schools that really don't reflect the district. If, we're, if our primary uh, responsibility is to become a gap closing district, if we limit and give all our resources to looking at these three schools, I think we're, we're failing uh, too many of our kids and our children and we're not taking advantage of this opportunity to re-event our secondary school system. Jill, this is, this is the point. There's so much that needs to happen to dig this district out of the hole that we are in, um, that we've been falling into for decades. Um, to, to summarize you know, the enormity of this issue, uh, we wanna share the rankings and performance of the students in schools in BPS as they compare to other schools across the state. And we wanna share the performance of our students in some of these schools. Let's start. Absolutely. So the Edwards Middle School is performing at the bottom 1% of all schools in the state with 13% of its students meeting or exceeding expectations in language tests and 10% of its students meeting or exceeding expectations in math. The James Timothy Middle School is performing at the bottom 1% of all schools in the state with 20% of students meeting or exceeding ELA expectations and 15% of students meeting or exceeding expectations in math. Madison Park High School, an option if you don't get into one of the three exam schools, is performing at the bottom 1% of all schools in the state. 8% of its students meet or exceed expectations on the language test and 15% of its students meet or exceed expectations in math. The Washington Irving Middle School is performing at the bottom 1% of all schools in the state 
with 11% of students meeting or exceeding expectations in ELA and 4% of students meeting or exceeding expectations in math. Brighton High School, another option if you don't get into one of the three exam schools, is performing at the bottom 2% of all schools in the state. 14% of its students meet or exceed expectations in language exams, and 12% of its students meet or exceed ex expectations in math. The David A. Ellis School is performing at the bottom 2% of all schools in the state. 12% of students are meeting or exceeding expectations in ELA. 14% of students are meeting or exceeding expectations in math. The Higginson Lewis K-12 school is performing at the bottom 2% of all schools in the state. 11% of its students meet or exceed reading expectations. 4% of its students meet math expectations. The Lilia Frederick Middle School is performing at the bottom 2% of all schools in the state, with 9% of students meeting or exceeding expectations in ELA, and 10% of students meeting or exceeding expectations in math. The Dearborn School, another option if you do not get into an exam school, is performing at the bottom 3% of all schools in the state of Massachusetts. 15% of its students meet or exceed expectations in language, and 17% of its students meet or exceed expectations in math. There are five more schools that are performing at the bottom 3% of all schools in the state. There are additional three schools performing at the bottom 4% of all schools in the state. Another three schools in our district perform at the bottom 5% of all schools in the state. The next two schools perform at the bottom 6% of all schools in the state, followed by five schools performing at the bottom 7% of all schools in the state. Our next five schools perform at the bottom 8% of all schools in the state. And another 20 schools perform between the bottom 9% and the bottom 15% of all schools in the state. After that, another 35 schools in Boston Public Schools perform between the bottom 16% and the bottom 48% of all schools in the state. We spent nine hours discussing the entry policy for less than 2% of our students in the Boston Public Schools. It is time that we give equal attention to the other 98% of students in our district. This is the true case of inequity. In recent meetings, we have heard conversations about playing fields, about renaming rooms in buildings, about approving applications for private schools. It is time to focus on what's important, to turn our attention to all of our students and all of our schools. And that will take leadership, transparency, and trust. There are two other things that need mentioning to fully summarize the school committee's meeting last night. The first is that BPS has gone 100% virtual until further notice based on the ri rising rates of COVID-19 in the city. This means that the 3,500 students with high needs who are attending school in person no longer have that option and are back to a virtual experience. We will dig into what this means in a future podcast as the superintendent last night said that the district currently does not have a plan for these students. Additionally, following racist comments that he made on a hot mic last night, Michael Lacanto resigned as chair of the school committee this morning. The mayor accepted that resignation just before noon today, calling his comments hurtful and wrong. So that's what happened last night at school committee. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, 
please rate, review, like, and share it with your fellow friends, parents, and residents of Boston. We all have a stake in the future success of Boston students. Have a great day.